Hello from Hollywood and welcome to the Greatest Show on Grass podcast. I'm your host and ringmaster, Joshua Newman, and I'm joined today by Tanisha Singleton. The Greatest Show on Grass explores the past, present, and future of the recently reborn Los Angeles Rams. That was Barry Maguire with 1965's The Eve of Destruction. Today we'll discuss the return of the Los Angeles Rams to the LA Coliseum as they do battle with NFC West rival, the Seattle Seahawks. But first, let's discuss the Rams' 28 to nothing eve of destruction against the San Francisco 49ers on Monday Night Football. I want to start this episode off, though, with a uh, trigger warning. Uh, for those of you who have been traumatized by the Rams in the past, this is going to be a very disturbing episode. <laughs> That wasn't a game. Yeah. That there was no no part of that that was competitive, that was professional, that showed pride, that showed any amount of preparation. It looked like there was no dress rehearsal whatsoever. It, I was just, it was one of those things I couldn't even turn away. You know what I mean? Like I was just like, they really doing this? Yeah. Really, this is this is how you're gonna do. This is yeah. what you, this is how you're gonna do us, right? We waited this long, watched your draft here. We watched us. You watched us. You celebrate getting the number one pick, and and we were all excited, and we were all behind this. Let me read some of these things. Some of the um, things that were written about the Rams after that. After that debacle, uh, the NFL wanted football back in LA in the worst way. And damned if that wasn't what the league got Monday night, said <laughs> Sam Farmer of the L.A. Times. Meet the new Rams team, same as the old Rams. That was Joe Curley of the Ventura County Star. Seriously, we waited 21 long, agonizing years for this, wrote Vincent Bonsignori of the L.A. Daily News. Uh, the Rams are worse than the Browns. <laughs> yeah. Mike Greenberg on ESPN Radio. Uh, this one was one of my favorite high-level performance art, uh, Micah Peters of The Ringer. And then there was um, a golden-horned mess, early Clippers bad, said Bill Plaschke of yeah. the LA Times. Um, a lot of the criticism focused on Jeff Fisher. Um, Rightfully so. Not having the team prepared, not being honest in his evaluation of the team and his post-game remarks. Skip Bayless said of Jeff Fisher, no one has done less in as much time in as in any sport as Jeff Fisher. Um, we talked about last week about his contract being up at the end of this year. Um, this was not a great uh, way to establish a bargaining position. No, it wasn't. And he seemed very adamant in the post-game interview saying that he'd play it the same way in terms of letting Case Keenum finish it out. And there were even, you know, calls for um, Manning to come in as two, you know, uh, by the, the second half, like by the third quarter, they were calling for him. But he was adamant about, you know, having Case play it out. And I think that type of stubborn attitude just shows such a – it's it's so stubborn and it's it really makes you think about even what he said about in hard knocks when he was like we're not going seven to nine yeah. no eight and eight and it's like well you may not even get there dude yeah. and if you don't and you're this stubborn in week one and you don't really make some adjustments 
coming into you know later weeks of the season, then you shouldn't have an extension. You know, it's it's tough. I mean, I I really I'm a Fisher fan. We've talked a lot about Fisher's star qualities as we've uh, uh, gone through hard knocks this year. Um, but I think hard knocks going into this first game makes you want to ask is 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 he a real head coach or does he just play one on tv you know right because they always kind of considered him to be you hear that term all the time a player's coach mm-hmm. um like okay so like as opposed to what like right. if you're not a player's coach then you're a head coach meaning you take no shit like like you're a belichick you're a drill sergeant but you get results that way yeah. so maybe he just doesn't have that character to, and to be cut out for this. I think he is um, a great storyteller, mm-hmm. a great myth maker, but I think he confuses fact and fiction sometimes. He believes what he's saying. I don't think he's lying yeah, when I don't he think says he's... that, um, you know, Brian Quick is poised for a breakout year or, um, you know, they were pleased with how Jared Goff improved over the course mm-hmm. of the preseason or... Uh, when he talks about how, you know, Case Keenum did dur- down the stretch last year, I think he really believes, believes it. it. Um, I don't think he's full of it either. I think he might be, especially with the whole, we're not, I'm not taking that seven to nine, eight, eight, nine, seven, you know, that stuff about the record. It reminded me of LeBron saying, not three, not four, not five, you know, when he first went to Miami yeah. and talking about all the rings that he was going to get. But we know damn well that Fisher would settle for an eight and eight. Right. And we'd know he'd settle for a nine and seven. Like he should have stopped there. He even said he wasn't going to take a 10 and six. But I think when he talks like that, that's where the players coach air quotes comes from in the sense that he's trying to motivate his guys and he wants his guys to believe in that. I respect that. I respect that. You know, like I I don't know what the ultimately the value is of him trashing his players in the public. Oh, sure. I think, you know, it's definitely it's a good leadership quality to praise the guys that are struggling the most in a mm-hmm. way you know if the idea is to get better and um you want your guys to believe great sign of leadership but i do think there's a point at which um the yarns he's spinning just seem ridiculous he he said of of um offensive coordinator rob boris uh that after the game rob was not happy with himself but a lot of it was dictated by what the defense was doing. So a lot of his play calls were dictated. I don't know. In other words, the offense, I guess, was playing defense. Isn't offense right. the point offense of offense is, offense is that you don't do what the <laughs> te- dig defense dictates? You dictate? You dictate the pace. Um, you set the offense of tempo. But Case Keenum averaged 3.7 yards per attempt and was, um, you know, we've talked about uh, the Rams' propensity for short passes um if it's third and three you know it's a it's as if they don't know that they can they're still allowed to throw longer than three yards if it's third and three yes um but when they do that um well some of the biggest disasters ensued so heenan was five of 18 on on passes uh longer than five yards and both of his two interceptions came on those longer passes um yeah, I remember, uh, I think it was Herm Edwards also said that this put the offense, this this offense put football back 25 years, and we use offense lightly because it wasn't, there was no yeah. offense. Yeah, they're not there playing was, offense. They're yeah, no down to... the field threat whatsoever. There's just, well, you've seen, you, you, 
like you saw the how it was written out and how ESPN was covering this, right? Like how they they just listed all the all the Rams plays. Mm-hmm. Punt, 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 interception. Punt, 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 interception. Punt, turnover on downs. End of game. That was sixty minutes yeah. of professional football. Yeah. And I'm wondering, it felt like... The interceptions don't even bother me so much. I mean, oh, at sure. Least that, at least you're trying. Yeah, at least you're trying. It doesn't otherwise even seem... Like, it really, when you hear Fisher talk about having to do on offense what the defense dictated to the, that they do, it doesn't even seem like they understand what offense is. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't... It, and Gurley was still a non-factor. It, and we're talking about a 49ers defense that was ranked 29th yep. last year. So this isn't a bad team. Yeah, this isn't, you know, a top shelf defense that we're talking about that they played against. One I mean, thing these that, are the 49ers. One thing that made the week so much more difficult was that um, everywhere you turned, um, <laughs> an ex Ram or a would be Ram was thriving elsewhere. Oh, yeah. Chris Long had two Went sacks off. in a hurry for the, pa- the Patriots. Janoris Jenkins locked down Des Bryant, Carson Wentz, of course, the two touchdown passes, but more than that, just uh, looking comfortable at the helm of the Philadelphia Eagles, throwing the ball downfield, leading the team, and just looking like he 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 fits in. Um, That's a good point, because at first I thought maybe it's not as bad as it looks, and it's just because this is the last game of the week, you know? But no, it, it was actually that, that bad when you consider, you know, how I read off the plays with three punts in INT, six punts in INT, a punt, and then a turnover on downs, and that's the end of the game. But it's just bad when you have the spotlight on you. It's the last, it's the second Monday night football game, ending week one. You have the spotlight on you. It's not like you're buried in the one o'clock hour on a Sunday where, you know, even red zone might not even cover you uh, because you're that bad. And as Greeny compared, like worse than the Browns. But uh, it's, do you think it was as bad as it looked? Yeah, I mean, it was it was one of the worst losses paper, that I've ever experienced as a Rams fan. Okay. I think a lot of the worst losses, a lot of the real this heartbreaking losses come against the 49ers. Um, my first heartbreaking <laughs> loss to the 49ers came in uh, December of 1989 uh, when um, Joe Montana led a 20-point fourth-quarter comeback. But at least that was a competitive game. I think the next... Um, it was interesting. No one really pointed this out, but in the when the Rams first moved to from LA to St. Louis, they were doing a similar kind of feeling overtook the team. Like, oh, this is the new Rams. You know, we're reinventing ourselves now. We're a new team, and all of that. You know, because they had been struggling prior to leaving uh, Los Angeles, Southern California. But in that first game against the Forty ers at Bush Stadium, um, the 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 finer the Niners were in the midst of a 17 game winning streak against the Rams, mm-hmm. and they totally dismantled them. And Ken Norton Jr. That was the game where he ran to the goalposts and started boxing oh. the goalposts, and and that's when Dana Stubble, Stubblefield coined the term "same old sorry ass Rams." So um, dis- you know, I, it was it, in a weird way. It was like that bubble burst yet again yeah but this game you know i I felt worse um just based on hope i guess i mean i knew it was i didn't i said i went on record that this is a four and 12 team 
it's I went on record and said it's the worst offense in football. I, I, I go on record saying it's def, I mean, it's definitely the worst receiving core. Um, but you still expect them to show up. I still expect them to show up on, on the local ESPN radio station. There was a giant debate about who should be the next Rams head coach. I, you know, I still um, could see I mean, it's one game and Fisher um you know, it's going to go one of two way, two directions. I think he's going to either get a new deal, maybe a maybe a one year extension, just so he isn't a lame duck this entire season. Maybe he gets a one year extension, a prove it to me extension, and that and he has to get rid of his offensive it's coordinator the way he had to last year. Look, this, this mm-hmm. happened last year. Mm-hmm. Frank Signetti was the offensive coordinator, and he was replaced by Rob Boris. You know, a couple of games into last season. And you know what? They never, neither of these guys were guys that they wanted. When Brian Schottenheimer left after 2015, nobody wanted to be the offensive coordinator for this team. Um, Greg Roman was available. He was the hot name at the time. He went to the Bills. Kyle Shanahan, you know, uh, Mike Shanahan's son, Fisher and Mike Shanahan are tight. Um, Mm -hmm. If you remember when Jeff Fisher trolled the Redskins last year by sending all the players that he yeah. got in <laughs> yes. the RG3 trade up to the coin mm-hmm. toss. They're buddies, and yet um, Kyle wanted no part of being the Rams' offensive coordinator. Um, they haven't really had an offensive coordinator mm-hmm. in a long time, and and I, it's not a desirable job, so I don't know who's going to agree to come in there. Um so it's just frustrating, though, that they couldn't have figured this out going into camp, you know, and it's like having to deal with this stuff midseason and is just always like the throwing in the towel, so to speak. But I mean, the alternative is, well, you got to you got to play it out because at the end of the day, I mean, there's still 53 guys that got to dress. Do you a lot of people are calling for Goff to replace Keenum? Where do you stand in that discussion? Just let him in already. Just you let want him, him play. In, really? Let him play. I mean, you've invested this much. Let him play. And you've asked for the spotlight. You've got it. Just see what the kid has at this point. Because next week we're going, uh, we're home. It's Seattle. You're probably going to take that L. And just see what the kid has already. I mean, you'll probably let them play case game two, and you're going to get the exact same result, I think, that you got in game one. Hopefully they can get at least three on the board and not a big donut. Mm. But even then, I say like week three, let the kid play. Let him I, in there. You have I, to see what he has. All right. Well, I, you know, I disagree. Um, I see where you're coming from. I think most Ram fans are on your side right now. <clears throat> but I think um, I think it would be a big mistake to um, to start Jared Goff at this point. Because he's um, not ready. It's not that he's not. Look, I don't, no one's ever ready. Um, he's right. just not the best. He's the third best quarterback right now. He's not as good as Case Keenum. It's hard to accept that for all of us, but we watched him in the preseason. He's just not as good as Case Keenum. I think Case Keenum had, you know, his worst day as a professional. I don't think he'll be as bad the next game. Look, it isn't – he has played good games, Case Keenum, sure. and he probably has more good games in him. And there was some talk about the uh, the Rams kind of uh, telegraphing, being tipping off the, the 49ers to what they were doing offensively. Um, so 
yeah. Um, it, I think it could. I, what I don't want to happen is like Bradford. What happened to Bradford mm-hmm. to happen to um, Jared Goff? Which where time? They just put him, <laughs> and with Philly right now to yeah, Minnesota? No, I mean, I think the Rams, all of it. I think the Rams ruined Bradford. I think yes, he, he was. I agree with that. Would have been a really good quarterback. I think he still could be a good quarterback, but um, I think they just between the different systems, the different offensive coordinators, and also just constantly having the 32nd best wide receiver core um, mm-hmm. in the league. Um, Bradford was pretty good when he had Amendola um, as his uh, safety blanket. Um, it's just, and, you know, there was a year they had Mark Clayton that uh, came over from Baltimore. Um, <clears throat> he, 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 sh- he showed things that no other quarterback has shown since um, on the Rams. I honestly think uh, Mannion's better, and I think um, Keenum's better. And I think, in a weird way, the fans that are calling for Goff mm-hmm. right now are doing exactly what they hate that Jeff Fisher does. And that is, like, sort of believe, like, hope so much mm-hmm. that you believe, believe in, in, the hype. in players when your eyes are telling you otherwise. Otherwise, You know, like there's, there's that quote. There's truth out there, and you're believing the hype more than what's just played out in, actually in front of you. I mean, there's, you know, there's that Groucho Marx joke about, you know, his wife walks in while he's, uh, while he's with another woman and he says to her, who are you going to believe? Um, me or your lying eyes. And Jeff Fisher is constantly telling us to believe believe him and not what you see. That's a good analogy. We see that, Tavon Austin was targeted, I don't know how many times, 13 times. And target, he was targeted 12 times and had 13 total yards receiving in that game. <laughs> we see that. We see that Brian Quick drops the ball all the time. We see that I had a, there was a little kid sitting next to me um, during one of the two games at the Coliseum where Cody Sensabaugh was you know, playing corner. Every time they threw at him, Cringed every time the ball went in the direction of number 21. You can see that he mm-hmm. doesn't have talent in mm-hmm. coverage. Um, but they're buying in. They're not believing. You can see that Goff has no clue right now. You can, I mean, we can hope that and we can. But at a certain point, it's good. And it's good to hope. It's good to be optimistic and to say be- that, like, yeah, I think we can see beyond his discombobulation and say, well, you there's know, there's potential, there's potential there. He does have a stronger arm than any of the quarterbacks. Um, he has done things at a college level that none of the other quarterbacks they, they have, have done. Um, there've been even some moments moving, moving around in the pocket, um, skirting pressure here and there where I've, my eyes have been open, but generally He's zoning in on one guy. That one guy's never open. He has no time to look elsewhere. He has no proclivity to look elsewhere. It doesn't seem like he trusts to look elsewhere. Mm-hmm. He doesn't belong out on the field, you know. Um, so I, am- I want him out there at least by midseason, getting the reps. I mean, you, there's no other way. I I agree with you. Um, I just don't know why they were so adamant about trading up. And investing this much into getting this kid when we're seeing, I guess it's on, it's like what you said, it's these, 
the potential that they're banking on as opposed to actual talent and what is who's the best fit for your organization today. And they really wanted to make a splash and and take they, a chance with someone that could potentially have star qualities. I think it's going to be a long year on the offensive side of things. They didn't play great defensively either. No, um, and our boy got ejected um, for two unsportsman likes, mm-hmm. and I can tell that was just being fed up with everything. Like I would have, you know, been unsportsmanlike as hell as well. No, no um, that was the hot, for me. That was the highlight of the game. Yes, when, when, absolutely. When Some Aaron passion. Donald so that's emotion. Helmet, I was like, thank, thank God. God, something. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, you could see the guys arguing on the benches, and I was like, good. Like, yeah. get you should be embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. You should be embarrassed. You should be pissed off at each other. I, because I like that kind of drama. I wish we saw the locker room. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. I think uh, you know we. One thing we learned from Hard Knocks is that even if uh, Fisher and you know, you know, sort of has this uh, Stepford Wives-like yeah. kind of um, um, inability to be critical of his team. Mm-hmm. Um, in front of the media, that's mm-hmm. not necessarily what he's doing behind the scene. But just Rob, like, do you really want to go down like on Rob Boris's sinking ship? Like that guy has is a nobody, and the fact that you even gave him a chance to be an offensive coordinator in mm-hmm. the NFL, like, you really want that to be what takes dictates you down? You. Yeah, and dictates um, your position. Anyway, uh, we should talk about yeah, we should talk we've about got Seattle. An- we've got our our home opener um, coming up this Sunday. Um, what are you expect? You're going. You'll be there, of course. Of and course. what do you expect? Yeah, we'll be. Uh, I've got that tailgating. As an L. You want to join us for tailgating? It's I just might. Be, we're gonna have a lot of fun. Um, I bring some meat, and might. that might be the most. There's a. There's a wedding also going down in, in the uh, parking lot. Well, one of the, yeah, I think it's um, what is it? It's uh, lot two. Um, there's going to be a tailgating wet. One of these Rams super fans, um, he's called uh, Ro- Rockstar Rams. Him and his like longtime girlfriend, who he's been like schlepping around to St. Louis for <laughs> all these years, and he's one of these guys. He's always dressed in a Rams uniform mm-hmm. and helmet to you know cleats. Um, he is going to be getting uh, married uh, for this game. Um, <laughs> that's exciting. Uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers will be performing. A lot of exciting things. Probably the biggest story is going to be the return of Pete Carroll, um, who that's a good won point. Rose yeah. Bowls and mm-hmm. national championships for USC and will be a reminder of who isn't our coach. Um, <laughs> another idea I had was that, you know, the I think like, I I don't know if coaching the Rams would entice him at all, given the sweet gig he has in Seattle. But mm-hmm. you know, maybe the Rams and USC could jointly hire him to coach both of their teams. Mm. Um, they both and he'd need it. Have double the salary. They and Two he could just jobs in, the in same this season. in this col- in the Coliseum, which is his where he his really yeah. made his name. Um, and um, yeah, I don't know. It, honestly. Um, you know, the good news is Russell Wilson um, has a nasty ankle, ankle sprain. That is the best news yeah. that they have. And But even though after after Russell, you know, he got taped up a few times and he still uh, went out there and played. And 
And they say it's, he's going to play this week. Yeah, the Rams are four and four against the Seahawks with Russell Wilson um, playing. Um, and but they've they've handled him okay at times. Their offensive line is is a terrible mess, especially the guards. So again, I, I think the Rams defensive line maybe will and and uh, linebacker will have Just, yeah. have a easier time containing the running game um this sunday um what the rams are going to do on offense how how they're gonna with with richard sherman and and yeah, um, good luck deshaun sheed um opposite him um they completely erased the miami passing attack and miami's passing attack is a lot better than than the rams uh i i don't know how they're gonna Look for a lot of screens out of the backfield. Um, uh, probably be another low-scoring game. I don't think the, I don't think it's impossible that the Rams win this game. I, I look, they're gonna win some games this year, and yeah, it's gonna feel good when they do, especially when it's in the Coliseum. Um, it's gonna feel great, when, especially when they're home, and I think that's where they're gonna pick up most of their wins this season. Um, I have this down as an L, but I see what you're saying because they there are just certain teams that match up better than others. Um, and like you said, they're four and four against Seattle with, uh, with Russell, Russell starting, yeah. starting this quarterback. So it's, I would be surprised if they won this game, I would be very surprised. And I, I wouldn't have been a week ago, mm -hmm. but because of what we saw on Monday night, I, now I would be shocked if they put up two touchdowns. Seattle also just squeaked by. That's uh, very against, true. Um, against Miami and and um you know the Rams have been beating Seattle in recent years with a lot of special team play um and uh defensive touchdowns the actually one stat the Rams are um 4-0 against Seattle when their defense or special teams score a touchdown All right. and 0 and 4 when they don't so it might just come down to that uh, in this close game, probably some trick plays up Jeff. I, I would imagine it has to. You know, Jeff Fisher's probably needs to sort of not just win, but have his mark be on that win. So I wouldn't be surprised if to, it's probably not going to be another Hecker throw, but there, there's going to be some trickery, I think, in this one. There should be. Um, there should be something. I like it when coaches do what you said, like leave their mark on a win. Like what the Raiders did with Jack Del Rio saying, like, you know what, fuck it, we're going for two. <laughs> we're going to win this now. We're not going to overtime. Yeah. Um, again, who did the Raiders play last week? Uh, New Orleans. Yes, yeah. they beat the Saints um, because of that. So I, I liked it, and, and he looked like the hero afterwards. Like, wow, that, a player's coach, a coach who wants to win, you know. So I hope Jeff Fisher looked at that and just considers <laughs> what – what his whole team needs at yeah. this point. Like we need something. You need some type of emotion coming after such a emptying loss yeah. like Monday was. And like such they, a emptying loss after such a fulfilling summer. You know, I, I just, yes. I miss hard knocks, you know? Yeah, I, I want to know what they're saying. I don't, this, they I don't should enjoy keep this team on the field. I enjoy them like playing ping pong and, you know, <laughs> hanging out with Kendrick Lamar and I, they have adorable daughters and yeah, there's the that, annoying that, wives and girlfriends and just 
Yeah, like they're fun that way. And because you see their personality and then it's you see the business side now. And yeah. it was just completely night and day. And I was like, well, didn't you guys just prep or were you guys just screwing around with the camera people and flipping over golf carts the whole time? I just think the offense needs to be torn down and st- they need to start from scratch. This is not a tweak. This is not about on that side of the changing ball. the plays. This isn't about getting the ball into Tavon. Yeah, we need to get the ball into Tavon's hands more. Not really. You just need a better offense. You know, like it's beyond like simple choice. It's just it's scheme. It's it's not not having a modern approach to football on the. They have such a um, aggressive, thoughtful, innovative defense. They're constantly scheming and re-scheming. And Greg Williams has a real. You know, he has a, a vision as, and he's there's like a sort of signature Greg Williams style defense. Mm-hmm. Too bad Greg Williams can't put a bounty on Jeff Fisher, honestly. <laughs> um, that would fix everything. But and on, and on offense, it's just, you know, like. Just dry. It's, there's no, there's nothing going on there. There's no, it's like a random collection of guys that don't really fit well together you know I, and i do think you know uh nelson spruce and Farrow cooper being added onto the field you know even if it's just because just brian quick seeing less time on the field and probably you know it just less Tavon mm-hmm. on the field um he's not an every down player he's a i keep saying he's a gimmick player he's probably a gimmick back he's a He's Warwick Dunn. He's Eric Metcalf. He's a guy that, you know, on third and long, maybe you could toss it to him out of the backfield and occasionally he'll spring loose. He's Azakim at best. Um, he's being paid like a number one receiver somehow. Um, but he's not a number one receiver. He's not even, you know, he he, he can't break a tackle, you know. Um, he's very elusive. He's a great punt returner. I'm I'm all for him being part of this team, mm-hmm. but it's just if that's your number one option, defense is going to have to make some plays, turn the ball over, figure out how to get some force some force get some sacks, force fumbles, put some points on the board. Yeah, they didn't take do a some great of the job pressure. putting pressure on no. the quarterback. Blaine Gabbert had his way with them. Yeah, they made mm-hmm. him look elite. Yeah, and I'm like, this is, what? So Joe Staley just made Robert Quinn. Like oh yeah I, I was mean, like he, how he did just, he dumb he was i mean seattle doesn't have anyone like joe staley on the offensive line so i think um you know i i'm Should optimistic have, especially yeah. on the in and in, in the interior um look once once the running back gets past the defensive line there's only one linebacker one true linebacker out there yeah. so guys are gonna occasionally rack up Yards. They're going to see a lot of 10 yard gains against this team um, with group tackles at the end of the play. But um, yeah, they've got this game. They should be able to (laughs) slow down um, the running game. I hope EJ Gaines, I haven't seen the injury report. I hope EJ Gaines is back and can split, at least split some time with Cody Sensabaugh. Lamarcus Joyner, you know, still an enigma to me. I just hope it's competitive. Yeah. I want it to be competitive. I want to see some fire and some passion compared to what we saw on Monday night being, you know, prime time, second game. I just want to see it better be night and day. 
Thanks for listening to The Greatest Show on Grass podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and spread the word to friends who enjoy football, Hollywood history, and the L.A. Rams. Violence flaring, bullets loading. You're old enough to kill, but not for voting. You don't believe in war, but what's that gun you're toting? And even the Jordan River has bodies floating, but you... Tell me